This podcast contains mature content, including, but not limited to, profanity, sex, nudity, wait, what? And the occasional spoilers. Oh, God. Welcome to A Gay, A Bye, and A Book, the romance episode. This will be sex rated. <laughs> rated sex. <laughs> of course it will. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what you come to expect with us after a while. Yes. (laughs) Okay, a binder book. Okay, a binder book. Becky, what's up? What's up? It's Wednesday. It is Wednesday, and we are recording. It's not a hump day, Quickie. This is a full-blown, <laughs> pause for laughter, episode, <laughs> and we are talking about love and sex and stuff, and it's going to be great. <laughs> Set down under. In many ways. Yes, yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, this one is set in Australia. Australia, on Kangaroo Island. So what are we talking about this week, Becky? Galaxies and Oceans by N.R. Walker. Yeah, and who performed this book? I, I, I forgot. I know. I'm going to start getting my little hash marks ready. Uh-huh. This one was performed by someone I bet we've never mentioned on here. I don't think we have. No, this one is performed by an, an unknown, really, in the narration world. Um, His name is... Michael Leslie? I don't think that's no, right. No, 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 no. who was it? Was it oh. Was it Joel Leslie? Mm, yes. Okay. We're not going to make eye contact when you no, make those noises. No, we're not going to do it, but I'm going to drink. <laughs> I brought mine too. We're going to drink. Yay. So Yay. the game is every time we mention Joel Leslie, you got to take a drink. Yes. Okay. You can play along at home and uh, it'll be such fun. Please do not do this while you are in an, any kind of operational situation. Please don't be driving. No, no. Any, be at home. Parenting, anything along those lines. Yes. If you're playing along, we have now officially had two. Two for Joel Leslie. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, He's going to be so drunk in a short amount of time. I don't know about you. I'm drinking bourbon. I have La Croix. <laughs> La Croix. Joel Leslie legitimizes romance. Okay. He has such an emotional sensitivity when narrating these characters mm-hmm. that dialogue that might sound hokey delivered by somebody else is much more heartfelt. And he actually pulls you into a story that may be a little more shallow, but he adds a depth to it that I haven't really found from other performers in this genre before. And that's why I keep coming back to him. I spent the pandemic listening to romance because I found his voice and his performances to be so comforting and mm-hmm. so moving. So it, he's kind of an enigma to me, you know, in this in this genre, because some of these stories that I've listened to are absolutely silly and ridiculous. But when he reads them, it's like, I believe you. Right. You know, he yeah. adds so much heart to it. And, and he gives a soul to an otherwise what could be soulless book. Not that this is soulless because I love Galaxies and Oceans. I've listened to it four times now. And one of the reasons I love it is because of his performance. I love the characters. I love the setting. I love the slow burn of the romance. But I do love Joel Leslie's performance. 
I thought it was well done. There were a few moments where I had a very difficult time discerning which character was speaking because I feel like the tones were very mm-hmm. similar. And I feel he got too vibrato a lot of times when he was expressing emotion. It got very like, I'm going to cry. And I was like, uh, <laughs> okay, well, I could live without that. But I do feel what you said. I feel like he did bring a much deeper level of sensitivity to this book than I think anyone else probably would have. I think so too. And I think that's why I would enjoy listening to this more than just reading it. I think I would be bored if I were just to pick up a book and read it. Mm -hmm. But this, it takes me somewhere. Yeah. And you were talking about the tone of the characters, which is something really interesting about in our Walker. I was listening to another podcast where they were interviewing her She doesn't have a really big inspiration process, but what is interesting is she says that characters will come to me, Mm. and I will have a character in mind, and then I'll have a destination, and then from there, I just start at chapter one, and I go, and what's interesting is sometimes characters will come to her in pairs, Okay. And so when they do, she will write dual point of view. Okay, so that's what this one came and to And that's rest. what this one is. So every uh, every chapter, one chapter will be Aubrey, and then the next chapter will be Patrick. It goes back and forth because they came to her together. I always like hearing how authors come up with their characters and where they've come from. It's an interesting process. That's cool. Yeah. Are there any trigger warnings that we should be made aware of? There is an element of domestic violence and abuse that comes very early on in the book and is talked about a few times with the main character recounting his experiences. But the story follows his escape from that and his journey into freedom. Joe, will you tell us about this book? This is the story of Aubrey Hobbs. Now, in the beginning, Ethan Hosking is his name. He is the boyfriend of Anton Giannale, who was a very high-profile politician in Australia. Anton is extremely physically abusive. He will beat him black and blue, and every time that he does, he will drive Ethan out to his cabin in the woods Mm -hmm. and leave him there to heal. Well, there is a bushfire. And it is approaching the cabin. And Ethan calls Anton and says, there's a fire. I have to evacuate. And he realizes this could be my chance to escape him. Mm. So he says, I hate you. I'm about to walk out into that bushfire. And my death is on your head, motherfucker. He grabs some cash and some changes of clothes. And he leaves his entire life behind. Mm -hmm. And he just starts walking. He gets to a motel. They ask for a name. He can't give him his real name. So he goes to the only person who has ever meant anything in his life, his granddad. Aubrey Hobbs raised him. He taught him. He he gives him a love for astronomy. And, and the only real thing that Ethan takes with him is his granddad's telescope. Well, he follows the Southern Cross constellation. It leads him to this small little town called... Hadley Cove. And there he meets this eclectic group of people, including a very ruggedly handsome lighthouse keeper named Patrick. And this is the story of how they fall in love. And it is such a beautiful story. And I love it. Joe, do you like this book? I do. And guess what? What? It's read by Joe Leslie. Oh my gosh. Okay. Drink. Drink. Well, this was a new one for me. I don't read romance very often. I think the most 
romancy book I've read has been Red, White, and Royal Blue. Mm-hmm. I've read a few of them in the past, and I just lose interest very quickly. Sure. Joel did a good job with it. I think so. Aubrey arrives in Hadley Cove, and Hadley Cove kind of made me think of the small town in Waking Ned Divine. Have you seen that? I don't know what that is. No. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, first of all, you need to see that. But it's this very small little Irish town where it, everyone knows everyone and what's going on. And, you know, the the town grump and the town mm-hmm. talker and all of those people. So it very much reminded me of Waking Ned Divine in that kind of okay. like, I know where you are. I know what you're doing. I'm going to tell everyone I know. Yeah. And you have these colorful characters. When Aubrey first comes to town, the first person he meets is Crotchety Frank, who owns and runs a caravan park because Aubrey doesn't have much money. He offers to then work for Frank at the caravan park for room and board. He's living in this van. It's dingy. It's cold. But he does what he has to do to survive. And so he spends his days doing all of this handyman stuff. And it's really interesting to see the growth in him once he sort of assumes this other identity. He's able to blossom into someone completely different out from under the control of Anton. Right. Aubrey seems to flourish when he's away from the real world. Yeah. He talks a few times about missing the news and he doesn't have his computer or his phone and he hasn't checked in, but that he's more comfortable in his skin. He likes who he is more now that he's left the outside world behind. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. He meets Penny, who runs this convenience store, and that's where he meets Patrick. Every morning, Patrick goes in for a newspaper and a cup of coffee, and he goes in and he talks to Penny, and he notices Aubrey standing outside. So he's a mystery to these people. The gossip train is running full steam, you know? (laughs) And so he goes out and he introduces himself to Aubrey, and Aubrey tells him where he's staying, and Patrick really takes to him. He sees a bit of himself in Aubrey because he knows what it's like to be the new guy. Right. And so he really wants to take him under his wing. Poor Patrick. He has suffered a great loss in his life. Patrick had a partner named Scott who was a fisherman. Scott is going out on the boat in this storm and he doesn't come back. He's never found. And Patrick has been grieving for Scott for years now. And in fact, he says... He notices that he's been grieving for Scott longer than they were together, longer than he knew him. Sweet boy. And I know. And he has a picture of Scott on his mantle. Mm -hmm. And as the relationship between Patrick and Ethan progresses, he has this real grief guilt because he starts to develop feelings for Aubrey. Right. But he feels like he's cheating on Scott. And Scott's voice sort of manifests in his head as almost his conscience. Mm -hmm. And Scott is like, this man is special. You need to be with him. As their relationship progresses, Scott is always right there in his mind. We all have those voices in our head, or (laughs) I do. Um, (laughs) There's those counter voices of, don't do it, that's really ridiculous. Or, yeah, I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Don't do it, girl. Um, But... She brought Scott in with enough of a sense of charm about him that it wasn't a ghostly apparition in his memory or anything along those lines. He came in and said to Patrick several times, stop being stupid. 
Yeah. Move ahead. This boy is here for you. Uh-huh. It went against a romance trope. Scott absolutely lifted him up. Yeah. There's that moment where they fooled around. Yeah. Um, but they have not had intercourse yet. And Scott says to Patrick, just man up and give the boy what he wants. Go yeah. buy some fucking <laughs> condoms already. He feels this push from Scott. And I just I just love that. I think that's great. And one of the things that I really love is towards the end of the book where I believe that they've just made love. And he's got Scott in his head. And Patrick says, of Aubrey, I love him so much. And Scott goes, I know. And he says, but I love you too. And Scott says, I know. And Patrick and Aubrey talk about Scott and Aubrey is like you don't have to let him go in order to be with me I don't want you to pretend like he never existed whenever you have a memory or if you're feeling sad I want you to tell me and we can go down to the rocks and you can scream at the ocean for taking him away from you he's a part of you and I don't ever want that to change right I love that in these characters. Yeah. And I love that they are so in tune to each other that they are able to give each other exactly what they need. Mm. If you're in a relationship with the right person, that person is going to give you that space to have those memories yeah. and have those compassion moments and want to share those with you. Yeah, and it goes the other way too. Patrick knows that Aubrey is running from something mm-hmm. and he knows that he's afraid. Aubrey has made it clear that there are parts of my life that I can't tell you about, but these other parts that I can, I've never lied to you. Patrick is so understanding he gives Aubrey so much grace he says I won't ask questions that you can't answer and he never asks Aubrey about what he's running from but there are moments when he can see Aubrey in distress he's immediately there to make him feel safe and I absolutely love that there is a character in town named Colin and he is the town policeman And through most of the book, he's kind of a dick. And he's on my shit list. (laughs) (laughs) He is also gay and has had feelings for Patrick in the past. And Patrick has clearly made it known he's not interested. Colin has these feelings of jealousy because the town is so small. There's not a gay scene or anything. They're probably the only gay people in this town, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's very funny because it feels like one of those things where you, when someone finds out that you're queer, they're like, oh, oh, I know someone else that's queer. You two should get together. Exactly. It was oh, like, just because so we're both much. queer and we're on the same, like, 50-mile radius uh-huh. doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my cousin's gay. I bet you'd get along just great. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, probably I'd, not. I'll probably hate him, but yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll every so often drop in mm-hmm. to check on Patrick or Aubrey just to see how he's doing but he's really just being a jealous prick and (laughs) there's one day where Colin just randomly shows up and he goes there you are Aubrey whirls around and he has got a look of terror on his face and Patrick sees it and he's like oh Jesus what happened to you the terror that Aubrey feels is so tangible that you can feel it in the room. And there are moments like that where Aubrey will have almost these flashbacks or these reactions to, to things that, yeah. where he's triggered. And they have some beautiful moments together. I love um, 
some of their like unofficial dates. When Patrick meets him, he tells him about the seals and the penguins that come in from the ocean. And he's like, I should show you them sometime. And so they make plans. And there's one night that they go and Patrick takes him to the coast and it's nighttime. They watch the penguins come in. And then Aubrey takes his telescope out. And Patrick is like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. That's cool. That's not a euphemism, by the way. Right? (laughs) No. (laughs) But uh, he starts to look at the stars, and he shows Patrick and all this stuff. And then later on, he takes him out to see the seals come in. And and so they have these wonderful little moments. But there's a moment that they have together where Patrick has offered to take him up to the lighthouse so he can use his telescope up there. So they go up. And by this time, they're pretty good friends. And Aubrey has begun to accept the fact that Patrick is making him feel safe and giving him feelings and out of an impulse he leans up and kisses Patrick and then he realizes Patrick isn't kissing him back and Patrick says I can't and Aubrey is suddenly mortified so much he just runs away (laughs) (laughs) and he starts running down the stairs Patrick chases him And that's a triggering thing for Aubrey. And he falls down the stairs and severely twists his ankle. He's at the bottom of the stairs in terror and in tears. And Patrick is like, oh my God. Aubrey says, you chased me. Please don't chase me. I can't deal. And so Patrick carries him back to his house. and, And he's just so respectful and protective of him. He knows that he's living in a less than ideal location. And so he's like, stay with me. I can give you hot food. I can offer you a hot shower and a comfortable couch. Ooh, and he has a cat that was Scott's cat. And this cat hates everyone. <laughs> he, she loved Scott. Loved, loved, loved Scott. And hated everyone else. Well, when Aubrey shows up, guess who just jumps right up on him and starts loving on him? And Patrick is like, are you kidding me? And Tabby, is it Tabby? Tabby, Yeah, Tabby loves Aubrey. It's really a sign for Patrick that this is something. It's like the first little hint from Scott almost that, hey, the cat's even picking up on this. Yeah, it's the first kind of hint because Scott starts speaking to him more later. Right. Can we talk about the first kiss? Sure. Let's go for it. The first kiss is great. So... Aubrey sees a newspaper, and it's an article about his ex, Anton Giannulli, and he's talking about the bushfires, and Aubrey's name is mentioned as one of the deceased. So the investigation is closed at this point, and the article is discussing the dead and how things are proceeding. Basically, they're saying at this point, the coroner feels that these people are due to be called officially dead yes so they have gone ahead and had funeral services with an empty casket Mm -hmm. at one point the article quotes anton is saying that he had a phone call from abby right before he left saying i'm evacuating i love you And this sends Aubrey into an absolute rage because he's such a fucking liar. And he's the face of, you know... He's the first openly gay politician. Yes. So it's like a big step for everyone to have this man out there, but... Could we not do better? (laughs) He's such a liar and a hypocrite. It's so infuriating, and you as a reader get that sense as well. Well, all of a sudden, there's a knock at his door, and it's Patrick, And he says, put on your coat, put on your beanie, grab your telescope, come with me. Do you trust me? Aubrey's like, yes. Just like Princess Jasmine. 
and Aladdin. Do you trust me? He has Aubrey close his eyes and he leads him out to the street and he says, okay, open your eyes. A whole new world. A whole new life. For you and me. Aubrey opens his eyes and it's the Aurora Australis. It's sort of like the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights, uh-huh. but for the Southern Hemisphere. It is so gorgeous. Aubrey is able to take his telescope and see it. And in that moment, that's when they both know that they're ready. Because before, they've had moments, and Patrick has made it explicitly clear, I'm sorry for the way that I acted when you kissed me up in the lighthouse. I want to get to the point where I can try again. Because I do have feelings for you. This is that moment where they both let go, and they have their first kiss under the Aurora Australias. And it's so beautiful and romantical. This really sweet and tender moment is happening, and then here comes the town crier, and you want to brush her away. (laughs) She's like, you're having a good night. Please leave them alone. Uh Like, I'm sorry. If you see a couple having a nice private moment together, don't bother them. Leave them the hell alone. (laughs) When she approached, I was like, of course she is. Say everything wrong and make them super uncomfortable. Please, Penny. Exactly. And then she's like, oh, but we're all so happy for you. Uh, Shut up. I, yeah, small towns. Yay. I'm so glad I don't live in one. Uh, So essentially, word is out now. There is no hiding it any longer. If Penny knows, everyone Everyone knows. knows. (laughs) So this book gets hot. This book gets really hot. Like I said before, I'm not a big romance reader. Um, So I, mm mm-hmm. (laughs) I'm not sure that I was prepared for that. (laughs) I may have learned a few things. (laughs) There you go. A lot of tongue action in places. Tricks of the trade. (laughs) They did a bit of the sex. They did a bit of the sex. Yeah, no. They start off sort of conservatively, but the more they get to know each other and the more they fall for each other, the hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter it gets until finally Aubrey's like, um, can you just fuck me already? Uh, we need condoms and we need them now. <laughs> oh, can you just imagine making love to this tall, built, ruggedly handsome, bearded lighthouse, lighthouse keeper. keeper? You know, several times Aubrey calls him like a silver fox or something along those lines. Yeah, he's got gray on his temples. Yeah, oh, I'm here for that. Well, and they talk about the age gap a little bit, which I yeah. think is super hot. Patrick is 41 mm-hmm. and Aubrey is 27. And so they're both of age. It's fine. They just are two people who happen to be different ages that love each other. It's just super hot. And they do it in the bed and they do it on the table. And they didn't do it in the lighthouse, which I'm kind of disappointed about. He could get fired. Who's going to know? Someone's always going to show up. Colin. (laughs) Colin's going to show up. Colin would show up. Oh, my God. He would show up. I hear there's some sex going down. (laughs) So one day they decide to give each other haircuts. So they go out on the porch and they're shirtless. They're giving each other haircuts. And of course, who shows the fuck up? I hear there might be some sex going down. <laughs> he is a pest. He He's is a, a pest. pest. He is. He is. <laughs> anyway, Colin is all like, well, I don't think Aubrey's who he says he is. Well, he doesn't talk like <laughs> that. That is not how Colin talks. I don't think Aubrey's who he says he is. <laughs> that was terrible. That was not good. 
<laughs> I can't do Australian. So Colin is just basically checking in because no one has seen either of these two young fellas in a while. Right, because they've Aubrey, been just hanging out. They've been hanging out. They've been hanging out. Hanging out. And uh, getting some work yeah, done. Yeah. Um, and well, and there's a reason for it. Aubrey sprained his ankle in the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And so Patrick has wanted him to heal. And so he's spent all of this time at Patrick's house. They haven't really gone anywhere. So everyone in town is talking about him. And so Colin shows up because everybody's worried. Penny's talking about it. And she hasn't seen Patrick Damn and it, all this Penny. stuff. I tell you God. what, Penny. Penny. <laughs> and he sees them getting haircuts. And they... And then Patrick goes to work, and he's coming home from work, and there are these cars in front of his house. Colin steps out. This is an official visit. Mm-hmm. Aubrey comes out on the porch, and all of a sudden you hear, Ethan! It's Anton Giannoli. Colin has looked into Aubrey, and he's discovered who he is, and the motherfucker tattled. Ethan's been found out. Patrick describes the look on his face as sheer terror. Right. And Colin sees this, and he catches Aubrey, and he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize. What did I do? What did I do? Yeah. And he says, I've only ever seen that look of fear one other time, and that's when I came to tell you, Patrick, about Scott Mm -hmm. when he died. And so they take Aubrey in the house, Colin tells Anton to leave because he sees the reaction from Aubrey. He's like, okay, you can't be here. Corners. Everyone to their corners. Right. Yeah. And the story finally comes out. Aubrey is finally able to tell the truth, to tell what he's actually been through. Mm -hmm. And because Colin is like, these are some serious allegations. And he's a high-profile politician. This isn't going to fly unless we have proof. And Aubrey remembers... I took all these photos and they're on a Dropbox. Mm-hmm. So they're able to log in and have these photos. And essentially, they're able to charge him. Yeah, he's a scumbag. There, he's the worst. There is no if and or buts about mm. it. And they don't really delve into how he reacts to all of this at all. Like, you don't ever hear much more from Anton. Yeah, we don't get to see his point of view. No, and not that I wanted to, um, but it would have been interesting to see how he reacted to the accusations that Aubrey was bringing forward. I agree. It would have been interesting to see if he kind of caved in on himself and was like, oh shit, yeah, I did do that. Or if he was denying it until the ring came out. Yeah, well, and it says, you know, after Aubrey comes forward, another guy comes forward and says, oh, he hit me. And then another guy. And all these men come forward confirming the character of this man. And he loses his position. And he's disgraced publicly. And I love it. (laughs) Good for him. I really liked how Colin stepped up for Aubrey in the end yes he went and he got him the best public defender that he knew of he does all of this extra work just trying to like find the early hitches in the investigation and put a stop to anything that might not go Aubrey's way Mm -hmm. and he does everything he can to get any charges against Aubrey brought down Mm -hmm. because Aubrey has committed fraud by changing his name and leaving and impersonating someone who he is not, although he's made no gains off of it. So it's not as high a legal charge as it could be. Mm -hmm. He never signed his name. He never withdrew money. So, yeah, but I like that Colin immediately recognized his part in this and was able to say, 
I was out of line. And he does. He comes in and he apologizes and he says, you know, I was not using all of my brain and I'm going to make it right. Yeah, but he also fast forwarded to Aubrey's freedom because if this hadn't all come to light, Aubrey would have been living in fear for a long time. Yeah. And so it's in a way good that Colin found out because now they're able to deal with it and he's able to move on with his life. He and Patrick are able to finally be together, no more secrets and I love the wedding. They're together, what is it, four years? Yes, I believe so. And they get married on the lighthouse. And all their close friends are there. Penny is there. there. <laughs> Colin is there. They get married on top of the lighthouse. And it's beautiful. And I love it. I'm a sucker for a book with a lighthouse. Right? Yeah. It is a romantic location. It's oh, a yeah. Great setting. Yeah. I completely agree. I love the symbolism of Patrick as like a beacon of home for Aubrey being a lighthouse um, caretaker. Uh, mm-hmm. So he was kind of like the light in in Aubrey's um, journey well, and calling him home. And Aubrey tells him that he is his lighthouse. And what's really interesting is that when Aubrey is talking to Patrick and they're talking about Scott... Patrick mentions that the name of the boat Scott was lost on was the Southern Cross. Mm. Aubrey has this moment of like, what? Because then he says, I followed the Southern Cross and it brought me to you. I just love that connection. Stars aligning. Stars aligning. And and Aubrey tells Patrick that he is his lighthouse mm-hmm. and he is home. He's brought him home. He's made him feel safe and it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> All read by Joe Leslie. Oh, hey, look, everyone. There's one. We kept you sober through most of it. We did, yeah. <laughs> All right. So in the beginning, we did denote that there is a trigger warning. Yep. And we've mentioned a few times throughout, but we're really going to kind of delve into domestic abuse right now and kind of the mental game that it plays on its victims. Mm-hmm. So if this isn't your time, we absolutely understand. We'll see you in a little bit. Absolutely. You've heard all the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the podcast is a wash from here. It's crap. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> when we first meet Ethan or Aubrey, he is escaping a very tumultuous, very aggressive relationship in which, like so many domestic abuse situations, it doesn't always start off that way. That's right. And they develop over a period of time. I think Aubrey said that it started after the first year of Mm -hmm. them being together. And then it just grew from that point out. So like a lot of many aggressors, Anton kind of draws Ethan or Aubrey in to this false comfort of being in a very public relationship and a point of power when things start to not go their way or when Anton becomes too stressed, he takes it out physically on Ethan. Mm Mm-hmm. Like so many domestic relationships, it starts with kindness and affection and grows into such a terrifying situation. And that's why it can be so difficult for victims to leave mm-hmm. because they they keep going back to the, but they were so sweet and we still have sweet moments and there are still times where they're so kind to me and they love me and I love them, but this is just something they do. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes this mind wash of just complete 
trauma. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, in Ethan's case, he had nowhere else to go. He didn't have any other family. He had been isolated, and that's a tactic. Anton isolated him from all of his other friends, so he has no friends anymore. Right. He has no family. Where is he going to go to escape? He ends up on the street when he finally does go. So it's this, what am I going to do if I leave? There's this sense of being completely trapped Mm -hmm. in this situation. He has made him completely dependent on him. Absolutely. And that was intentional. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but in this particular case, Anton is a very powerful man. And even if Aubrey did leave, he would find him. So Ethan doesn't feel like he has any sort of choice until he is presented with this extraordinary circumstance of the fire. I've never been in a domestically abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. I have been in a very mentally and verbally abusive friendship before. Yeah. And I wanted out of it so bad. I was afraid of this individual. And it took me taking a job in California to be able to escape this toxic, abusive friendship. And I cannot speak for people living in abusive relationships. I can only speak to my own circumstance. Mm -hmm. And even though it was just a friendship, it was so hard to leave. It took me taking a job... (laughs) (laughs) you know, half the country away (laughs) in order to escape this toxic, abusive friendship. Yeah. I also have not come from any physical abuse. I have experienced quite a bit of mental abuse from people in my life, mental and emotional abuse. It's never been with a partner or anyone romantically involved, and that's been wonderful. Um, But there has been a lot of that uh, twisting your thoughts against you oh yeah all that manipulation so it's not hard to see after you've been through it but it is a cycle that can repeat itself because a lot of these people are very charming and very smooth Mm -hmm. and very charismatic um, yes they know exactly what to say and exactly how to gaslight you yes they get into your thought process and they just become part of your thoughts Mm -hmm. absolutely and so i understand very much how aubrey takes so long to come back to who he is or who he really truly was before anton And I think that any book that deals with this needs to address the issue of mental health. Absolutely. And we will have some resources linked to this episode. Um, There are ways to get help. Mm -hmm. There are places that you can reach out to. And we will link those in the description of this episode. Some of those include the National Domestic Violence Hotline the National Dating Abuse Helpline, the National Child Abuse Hotline, the National Sexual Assault Hotline. There's also the National Runaway Safe Line and the National Center on Domestic Violence, Trauma, and Mental Health. Oh, that's so good. And depending on where you are, most cities have queer shelters as well. So if you need to get out the door and go, consider queer shelters and LGBTQ facilities that are near you as well. Mm -hmm. Help is out there. They make you feel that it's not. They, They will really absolutely make you feel that they are your only hope. And they're not. So please, please reach out. 
all of these resources are available. They have websites, they have hotlines you can call. There are people standing by waiting for you. We have a couple areas on our social where you can find all of this information on our Instagram. If you will click on the highlight reel for mental health or resources, we'll have the information there. And then if on any of our social medias, our links in our bio goes to a little drop down and there's an area right there where you can click and it says need help and you click there and it'll take you to a variety of resources on different subjects such as suicide awareness and then also um, mental and physical abuse absolutely so joe yes i have some problems with the book you had some problems with the book. Okay. I know. Joe earlier in the week labeled me as wah, wah, Becky. <laughs> they call her wah, wah, Becky. <laughs> I tend to be a little snobby with my bookish a tendencies. My biggest issue with this particular novel was that I didn't want to be told that they were feeling these things. I wanted to see that they were feeling these things. And I didn't get that. It was very much, here's what I say. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what we did. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't very much an act of expression or a, a moment of tenderness between them very often. It was more kind of a rundown of the dialogue than mm -hmm. expressions. Oh, yeah. And that is a very, very characteristic thing for the romance genre. Okay. That is something that you will see time and time again. If you read more of N.R. Walker, things are going to be spelled out for you quite a bit. And so that's just, <laughs> you know, that just comes with yeah. the genre, I think. But I do absolutely get what you mean when you want to feel something instead of being told. Because in real relationships... People aren't that perfect of communicators. Oh, no. I was sitting there thinking, I have never once met a man that was able to perfectly express his oh, no. emotions it, like it, this. Romance novels are a fantasy. Oh, yeah. And sure. it's not all about sex. The communication is part of that fantasy. So, you know, that just that just comes with the genre, my dear. So the cat mm -hmm. drove me bonkers. It's like it had nothing to do with anything, but also they didn't even give it a name. The cat's name is Tabby. Okay, it's like here's a cat. Her name is Orange. <laughs> here's a cat. We need something to like make this man seem soft and tender. Um, this cat's name is Snowball. No, give it. Uh, come up with an. Uh, it was Scott's cat, though. And well, then it was Scott a had no imagination whatsoever. <laughs> the cat was a sign. Now, it might have made too many appearances, oh but it was a sign for Patrick that he was meant to be no. with Aubrey because she loved Aubrey. Although, oh, and they do make the point that Aubrey says to Patrick, well, she was Scott's cat. She's grieving, too. <laughs> That's I'm sorry. I can't do that. I heard that line and I was like, oh, fuck. Her name is Tabby. You don't care enough to give her a name. You can't give her a backstory. God. So that drove me nuts. But the other thing, Joe, oh, my God. I want to go back and listen to this again. Kind of. Um, <laughs> just for the goal of hash marking how many times they used the term fisted in the wrong connotation what every time someone grabs a t-shirt or something they fisted the t-shirt 
he fisted my hair. And I'm like, that's not what fisting is. I mean, that's not fisting. So (laughs) if you're going to give me a romance novel and half of the words are going to be fisting, there should be some fisting going on. (laughs) That t-shirt is so loose on Aubrey right now. (laughs) His hair is in so much pain. (laughs) You'll you'll hear it from now on, but every time they grabbed something, like he fisted the soup and carried it down. I'm like, no, he didn't fist the fucking soup. Oh, my God. <laughs> How so, deep was the bowl? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's very unsuccessful fisting. <laughs> Did he get, like, elbow deep or, like... <laughs> <sighs> so that That's ticked, hilarious. That my I will not hold that against you at all. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a rant. This is my petition <laughs> to desist... With the use of certain vocabulary when it comes to sex. In this book, over and over and over again, they use the term hand jobs, blow jobs. And I'm like, stop saying jobs. It's not work. And then they're like, let's have a makeout session. Oh, what is this small group? Stop saying sessions. Stop saying jobs. This is not corporate business sex, okay? Sorry, I have a 69 conference call. I just, anyway, that's, stop saying jobs. <laughs> okay, so if we can't say blowjobs anymore, what would you like us to say? Have a wank. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, that might that might be a borrowed term, you know, it might be an international term, but I don't care. It's better than, I'm going to go to work at my blowjob. You know, there might be some people that think of it as work. Stop saying jobs. Someone from the labor union's going to show up and be like, we need to talk to you about your hours. I think you have earned some pension. You've done a good job. Pension for that tension. (laughs) You're now entitled to benefits. We're going to get you some dental. All right. What star rating do you give? Or do you giving stars? I mean, it's a galaxy. You know, I think because of this, I will give because I have loved this book for probably about a year now, mm-hmm. and I tend to judge romance novels because I listen to so many of them. I tend to judge them on a completely separate scale. I think you have than to when I read something. You know what I would consider a little more legit literature yes so at for example when i do my joe's top 20 or top 10 or whatever at the end of every year Uh i don't include any of the romance novels that i have read even though i might have liked them more than some of these other books that i have in this other list Mm -hmm. so for this genre i give galaxies and oceans five telescopes (laughs) oh i know right (laughs) okay i think for the genre, um, I would go with probably three and a half. Mm-hmm. And I will say I was considerably lower coming into this, but discussing with you and seeing how much these characters have meant to you, you have been able to pull this story out of what the author was not able to do for me. Mm-hmm. Um, your passion for these boys really 
changed some of my views on this book. So thank you for having this discussion with me. That's so lovely of you to say, you know, having read so many and there is such a range Mm -hmm. um, when you have these, these novels, some of them are shallow as fuck and they just don't do anything. They don't, say anything they don't convey any sort of message right at all one of the things i liked about this book is that it does have something to say and it addresses issues and it has heart and i you know so i really really think that this is you know in the upper echelon of gay romance there are a lot of great romances out there if you are interested in that and many of them are beautifully narrated by Uh the one and only Michael Leslie. Bitch. (laughs) Hi, Michael. (laughs) We love you too. Joel Leslie. There it is. Mm. That would be... Okay, so we're going on like eight and a half. Are we really? Wow. Is that low? That's very low considering what I thought we would be at. Hmm. All right. So we have come to the end of the podcast. You know what happens here? We are going to shout out our social media. There it is. I'm done now. There it is. Every time. <laughs> Good night. We are on Instagram at a gay abaya book. We are on TikTok at a gay abaya book. We are on Twitter. A gay abaya book. Dr. Tweet, thank you. And you can always email us at agayabayabook at gmail.com. And don't forget to leave a voice comment. I'm not gonna keep asking. He's not also gonna keep leaving us voice <laughs> comments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Josephine has made her appearance for the day. Uh, you can leave us a voice comment if you want. I've given up. I'm not going to beg anymore. <laughs> so it's an option. You can take it or leave it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I believe you. I can honestly. I really want it still. <laughs> Your lack of care is parent. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, and so, yeah, do it. Don't do it. I don't care. I don't care anymore. At anchor.fm forward slash a gay buy a book. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I think he does so, everyone. I need you all to leave him a voice message. All right. So uh, we will be back next week with our hump day quickie hump day for this quickie. episode. Episode. And believe oh, yes. me, we got some bloops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. We've had a fantastic time with you. This has been a gay, a buy, and a book. Bye. Gay. Queer. A gay, a buy, and a book. A gay, a buy, and a book.